we've, we're full of mantras as a company and like little sayings, but we have always got a rule that we say to customers, you know, if I wouldn't have it in my house, I wouldn't have it in your house. And it, it's same with the installation. If there's a bit you're not quite happy with, you kind of, you know, oh, I don't know if I'd have that in my house. So then you get up, you change it and make sure it's, you know, it looks a bit better than it does. There isn't a lot of a trap where you're in school and you think, I am going to be a flawless. Exactly, like, yeah. It might be hard to be an electrician because I think they're, they're multi-millionaires. Well, you know, race you to the million, mate. We'll see you against that first. <laughs> <laughs>this episode is sponsored by Trade Choice Carpet and Flooring. Trade Choice are one of the largest independent distributors of floor coverings and products. They specialise in carpet tiles, carpets, vinyls, LVT screens, tools, everything you would need to run a flooring business. With 13 branches, including the Newcastle one that I visited from Glasgow all the way down to Southampton. They've got 24-hour access ordering via their website. So if you want to set up an account or find your nearest branch, visit tradechoice.com. Now sit back, enjoy the show, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon. Welcome to the UK Farm Podcast. Um, Scott and Spencer Vine, Vine Brothers Flying, that right. Um, as we always do in traditional podcast um, tradition, Spencer, what's your backstory, excluding the flooring bit? Say excluding the flooring bit. Excluding the flooring bit, please, yes. Well, I don't really have much to tell, to be honest. Uh, left school, blank. Play a lot of football, involved locally with sort of a local football team. And that's really it. I don't really spend much more time than that, other than well, doing first bits. ever job. First ever job was uh, flooring. It was. We, our dad is a, is, was a carpet fitter. Right. I'd come... I'd come in occasionally at the weekends and work experience and whenever I was um, low in money and I'd come do a little bit of work with him. So that was my first proper job. Cool. And uh, you, is you, same Scott, did you, you go similar? Yeah. So similar. I've sort of, obviously there's an age difference between me and Spence about six, seven years. Okay. So um, obviously uh, like summer holidays and stuff like that, I used to go in with dad and like pick rubbish up and stuff like that from the age of about eight or nine. That wasn't really my first sort of job. I did um, car valeting. So I used to pick cars up from around the country, drive them back and spiv them up at a local garage and then they used to sell them on. Okay. And then, um, <clears throat> yeah, Spencer branched out and went out on his own and um, sort of said, come in for the odd Saturday. And, um, yeah, haven't really looked back since. Went within full time. And then, yeah, went off and did my own bit for a little while and then went and worked in Australia for a year and then came back and that's when we started, obviously, the company. Okay. So we, um, Spencer, were you, were you called something else beforehand? Was it just you or was it you and your dad or how was it? No, it, it was just me. And initially when, when I first started and branched off to try and work on my own, I worked with um, our uncle. Right. Uh, he, did, he did a bit of flooring as well, still does. Um, shares a unit of us currently. He still does a bit. And we, um, well, to be honest, we were both not really good enough to go out on our own, but we, we got a van and we decided that we'd just go for it and we, Ended up in a in a like a, one of the high streets uh, shops, sort of learning as we go. If I'm honest, yeah. Um, all we did was get up really early, work really hard and really late, and learn our mistakes as you do. And then, and then, uh, when did it form into Vine Brothers Flooring? Like, when did you officially connect to the two 
uh, well from there. If you, if you want to go for that, Scott? Yeah, so it's obviously, I think the the real official coming together was the sort of just before COVID, really, pre-COVID. Um, we were both subcontracting for uh, a shop sort of thing and uh, I had a lad that worked for me and he kept letting me down and stuff like that. And then obviously Spence would come bail me out and help me out over the work. And then we started dropping the odd Friday, the odd Thursday and doing our own bits. And then um, just gradually and gradually, and obviously COVID changed the world for everyone. So we reevaluated. We were doing so much traveling and we said, oh, why don't we work locally? We've got, you know, a few clients and a few customers and we're getting passed around. And um, yeah, and then pretty much ever since then, it's been official. So, Spencer, what flooring is your go-to, uh, and what what else do you do your day-to-day now? What, what so our, our, doing? our day-to-day would be yeah, LVT, your, your vinyl tiles, um, vinyl and carpet, uh, naturals. My my first love uh, is is sizal and, and all the sort of more natural floor coverings. I do a bit of rubber and a couple other bits. Um, our bread and butter is carpet. We come from a carpet. Uh, carpet family of doing stuff and we branched out I always like to try that I always used to find myself getting into the situation where someone would say oh such and such doesn't do that and I'd say oh well, why don't they do that and they go oh it's too hard and then to me it'd be like well I'll have a go and and that's how I fell into a lot of the natural flooring okay and you do have you dabbled in woods have you dabbled in anything like that I, I haven't personally I, we, we used to do a little bit of the odd laminate and stuff like that for people and it's a very niche thing. I mean, Scott Scott did it in Australia. He went and did bucket loads of wood because they're mad for it over there. But for me, I never really accumulated not the skill set, but the tools. You need you need all the tools, and I've always just gone from just about getting enough or just about getting this tool to do this job, and and so on and so on. And I'd I'd, ne- I'd always been a little bit afraid of wood because it's um it's quite the outlay. Yeah. You know, sometimes wood can be quite expensive, and if not to say that it would, but if it was to go wrong, it, it could be potentially, you know, very costly in the pocket. So I tend to stare away from it. Okay. And and Scott, are you are you both in the same van every day? Do you split up, or how does that work? Are you completely welded at the hip, or you or have you got people working? <laughs> you know, how, how's that look? So it's a natural progression, actually. Um, unfortunately, uh, a couple of years ago, I did my ACL playing football, which changed the way we did business. Before that, we um. You know, it was almost from the natural merge, I would have my customers, Spencer's would have peers, and it always, whoever's job it would, would sort of naturally take the lead. Um, and then obviously when all this happened, I had to reevaluate what I was doing and stuff like that. So I actually took a step back from the tools and was doing more of the meetings and more of the estimating and took on a more of a, a role that way, which obviously had Spencer to take charge of obviously the on-site stuff. So it's naturally fallen that way. Um but yeah, I mean, it was never really. We both love what we do, and it's hard to um, hard to let go, really, because you know, all if there's any ever like a, a fiddly or tricky bit on a job, we always sort of we normally play rock paper scissors to see who does it, and whoever wins gets to do it. So normally people shy away, but obviously we like the challenge, to be honest. On a monthly basis, Spencer, how often do you shout at each other? We shout at each other. Yeah, I don't think we ever have. No, well, like so, no. So. Scott Scott likes Scott can be more domineering, so he can have his way, um, you know. And generally, generally speaking, you know, he'll be the first to say, right, you know, I feel like we should do it like this, or, and I, I never really uh, interject unless I 
feel strongly the other way. And if I feel strongly the other way, the fact that I've piped up probably means that I win. But we never, we never, we never fight. No, it's oh, well. a mutual thing. Yeah, it's, we're very lucky. Uh, we've, well, excuse me, we've got people in the family that have fallen out and stuff like that over the years, like brothers and stuff like that. And But no, we're very fortunate. We never have. I think, I mean, irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, irrelevant. I thought, I thought I'd challenge uh, Irrelevant to that, um, like the, the, the funny side of the falling out thing. But I think the branding of Fine Brothers Flooring, you know, no matter who goes to measure the job or who turns up to fit it, I think it's really sort of like, you know, I think the customer... Irrelevant what job you're doing. I kind of, I don't know, feel like you're getting what you paid for. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Fair, you know if, if Scott turned up to do the, the mesh up and then Spencer turned up to fit it, it's like, actually, yeah, well, you are actually what you said you are. And then if you actually get on, it can be a bit professional and the fitting's good. So no, I love that. Love that. Um, so um, in the flooring industry, both of you have been in and out on predominantly spent a whole life. So Spencer, what's the biggest problem, in your opinion, with the flooring industry as a whole? What do you struggle with? How long we got? Oh, <laughs> oh, He's got some opinions. opinions. Yeah. I mean, I've got I got ple- plenty of opinions. Um, I want to say it's... I, I'm not really privy to other trades, so I've never really got a full insight on how the electricians go about it, the plumbers, even the architects or whatever. Everyone's going to have a rivalry, but it does seem to be that our trade do like to beat the living hell out of each other on the internet, in the wholesalers, anywhere. They they go about their business a lot of the time devaluing other people and we try and stay out of it. That, that I would say, that sort of fight at the bottom situation rather than people supporting each other and helping each other out because people say there's not, but there is enough customers to go around for everyone and you don't need to beat someone for a fiver to get a job here, there and everywhere. I just... I just get really stressed the way that sometimes like it devalues our trade. I really that, that's probably the thing that that annoys me the most is, is the the bitchiness and the over over the shoulder or and as you probably would know, people put stuff on Facebook and stuff like that. Like I found a couple of really good Facebook groups where people really helped me with them. So really some issues that you wouldn't you couldn't pick up the phone and speak to somebody else about. But we yeah. bought um a sander, you, you come from a wood flooring background, so you kinda of know, like the big spinner. Yeah. Uh, going over our latexes every now and then. Now, everything that we've learned, we're self-taught. So a lot of the stuff we have to learn ourselves, you know, there's no one to teach us. And the first time I turned it on, I nearly went through someone's wall because I didn't know what I was doing with it. I thought Welcome you could just man. fight it. And, yeah. and I nearly, honestly, nearly went through someone's wall. I wish wall. I was videoing. I'm normally on the socials and I just missed it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was after like my fifth or sixth attempt and two nearly broken wrists that I gave up with it for the day. And I thought to myself, well, no, I give up. You know, I've got nothing left. Yeah. But at that point, obviously, we finished the job. We went around it. We didn't actually need it. We were just trialing it. I went back to the warehouse. Now, normally, before these Facebook groups and stuff like that, I probably would have put it in the corner of the warehouse and never used it again. But I just popped on Facebook and one of these groups said, look, I'm having this problem with this thing. Can someone help me? And I probably got about 15 to 20 replies from people that were really helpful. Obviously, there was a few... A few, you know, like, oh, if you, if you don't have to do that, you're not a proper floor layer, et cetera, et cetera. You, you sift through that. But I got yeah. speaking to a couple of people and they just explained to me like how to use it. And then two days later, we had another job. I took on their advice. And lo and behold, it's probably one of the one of the most labor-saving tools that we have now when it comes to LBT and stuff because you don't have to be on your hands and knees for so long and you fly along. And, and I found that really, really helpful. He's better yeah. on that than he is in the van. 
<laughs> yeah. I, don't, I think everyone's done that with the book, but I remember that. I mean, obviously, we used to book the wood floors with them, and yeah, so it was like riding a bike. As soon as you knew how to operate, you could do it even one handed, drinking your cup of tea. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, you get the apprentice or a new, new person on it, people hitting doors and kitchen plinths, and yeah, <laughs> trying to go through a stud wall. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. What, what about you, Scott? Oh, I mean, Spencer touched on quite a few issues. I think. It's probably not as much a problem now, but I think it was devalued as a trade. I don't think people really, it's more of a craft as a profession, you know, like some of these LVT jobs that some of the stuff you see online and stuff like that, no one can do that sort of thing. It's a real craft, but I think maybe that comes from other trades like, oh, you're just a floor lay, just put it down and stuff like that. But I think it is a really skilled professional sort of job. And it's a shame that there's not too many, I know I'm, quite young myself, but there's not too many younger people doing it as there was. I don't know if you've noticed something like that. There's not too many. I know there's new like apprenticeship schemes and stuff like that that they're pushing, but I don't know. Um, maybe that I would have thought first thing yeah. that comes to mind. There's definitely not enough young people. I don't know what the exact statistics of how many floor layers are needed and how many need to be apprentices or, or come into the industry, but It'd be interesting to get people outside the industry um, trying to understand how to get into it because most of us either fall into the industry of bread or want to help this or do that. And if there isn't a lot of a craft where you're in school and you think, I am going to be a floor layer. Exactly, yeah. It might be hard to be an electrician because I think they're they're multi-millionaires. Well, I think it's a generational thing. I think a lot of it, we live in this instant YouTube kind of like instant success society. And unfortunately, when you do start as an apprentice, whether you're an apprentice anywhere or floor lay electrician, whatever, you're not going to earn the same sort of money as if you were a good example is a lot of time like labouring. It's offset against labouring. People think that their apprenticeship is no different to labouring. So they could go on a building site, push a broom around and get 120 quid a day and never further themselves any further than that. But because it's such that, short instant success they compare it against maybe coming in being a floor layers labor or whatever and not earning the same money and they choose to always go away you don't keep them for very long a lot of the time that's it i mean i think your point was really good about their facebook groups i mean you've seen obviously we own one of the bigger facebook groups and we do we've got got 300 people banned from that group as soon as you're negative or you're a bit of a dick i just ban you because i just can't yeah i just don't want it in the group that's and that's my opinion with that but if you are new to something like a buffer or whatever like that, it's not helping when someone says, "How much for dry bath herringbone?" Oh, and it's yeah. and like I just I've, now I've started responding with like a bingo wheel, and it's like let's just talk about that. Yeah. Like you know, everyone's got a different mortgage. Everyone's got a different van payment if they've got yeah. a van payment. Everyone's got a different skill set. Everyone's got a different relationship with money. So to me, what relevance does it mean if you're in Edinburgh, it fitting £25 a metre, what relevance does it have to your business, let's say if you were in Seven Oaks? It, it, to me, it's like, you know, it, it's not it's not a one-shoe fits all. But unfortunately, if you don't know, and then you see loads of people replying to, I get 25, I get 28, I get 40, I get 92. It's like, get out. Um, and that, as you know, we, we're quite passionate about the numbers. But it's like people are using these numbers on the jobs at the price. And it's like, yeah. where have you got that information from? Oh, well, I've seen it on Facebook. You're just like, I thought that's 
Close mine, such yeah. such variables in it as well. Like, would you charge twenty five pounds a square meter for doing someone's WC, or would you charge it for a block of flats? Like, it, the meterage is completely different. Like you're saying, it is is difficult. But some people are just reaching out. They've got genuinely no idea, and it, yeah. it probably does help them in a way. But you're right. Without the right, same what we were saying before about the right help or the right avenues, you are just you know you're running like I said to you when we did your um. Flooring freedom course, you know, like you're running blind in the dark with scissors. That is how it feels sometimes. You're you're just you're just scared, confused, and alone a lot of the time, and you're just doing the best you can. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's I think the meter squared rate is fine to get a benchmark, to get a feeling. Yeah, yeah not like it's not yeah. to like oh, I'm going to work out Mrs. Jones's price, but it, it's the, there is definitely different ways to you know. It's good to comparison. But exactly, a, a 12 square meter job is completely different for a 1200 square meter job. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, we'd all love to be fitting LBT for 55 pound a meter on a 1200 square meter job, you know, but it's, it's, but I don't know how to stop that without taking the onto tenants. I think it's just knowing your numbers, I think it's probably the, the easiest way of knowing before your van moves from your driveway, how much is that actually costing you? And then also knowing the figure at the end of the year. How much would be a great figure to have left over as as your net profit? Once you've got those figures, obviously lots of calculation between, but at least if you know where you're going and at least know where you are now, at least you can figure out the middle bit. But well, getting the information from Facebook is is possibly not the the, the best <laughs> no, um, best financial structure to to skin in a business or even maintaining a, a successful business. But yeah, love that. Love that love those points. So what jobs um, have you? Well, yeah. What jobs have you got on next week? What What's January looking for you guys, yeah, Scott? Yeah. You want know, to tell us what's going on right now? Yeah. So um, January is actually really good for us. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're just a obviously small company, just two brothers, and we've got another chap that works for us, George. He's brilliant. And obviously, we all stick together a lot of the time. But we're doing a big, big renovation. They've had an extension, loft conversion, the whole lot. So we're doing downstairs, ninety square meters of herringbone. And then upstairs, I think it's about 85 square metres of carpet. So we're there for the week next week. And then we've got some really nice stuff coming through, like a nice Chevron job coming through. And yeah, it's, it's actually really hopeful. Um, it's quite um, confusing because it's, it's a mixed bag at the moment. I've got a friend who's a scaffolder and he says it's a bit hit and miss at the moment. Another friend who's a plumber, who says it's sort of spits and spurts. Other people in the flooring trade, they're a bit quiet locally as well. So um feel very lucky that you you know you've got quite almost six to eight weeks in front of us so it's a nice sort of benchmark and we can sort of build from that into the new year is that um sort of expensive like last year did you well when you set up in forward did you start to take off like a bit of a rocket ship because everyone had done and then how did you find last year because again exactly as um, scott said it was very very a lot of people had hit or miss what was your year last last year like what it it was wasn't hit or miss. It was difficult because of Scott's knee. He was going through the rehab and stuff. So it, it was like you know, forty percent, fifty percent of the business was just gone for a period right. of time, and it was it was tough at the beginning. But that was a good like incentive for us all to just dig in and try a little bit harder. And then when Scotty came back, he was still doing things on you know what he could. But when he came back fully, um, yeah, we, we had we did really well. We're, we're really happy. We moved from a unit. A smaller unit to a bigger unit this year. Um, as you can see, we we got we got a little office, which is basically just like um, it's like a youth wing, really, up here. If I'm honest, <laughs> you know, we, 
we, we've got a little bits and bobs and computers that rarely get turned on and, you know, we've got a nice little pinboard and you can see, you know, nice little bits and bobs in here. But we've now got um, a showroom upstairs that we can take people properly to. So it's by appointment only. They come up, they have a little look round. We can make them a cup of tea. We can sit down and, and it's really helped improve our client experience. The people have come to us and that we're getting a lot more referrals and a lot more people investing in what we are because of the service. We can offer a better service now. So so towards the back end of the year, it, it really went off. And, and, you know, touch wood, we're very grateful, always grateful. Like anyone that comes in and buys a floor off us, it's an extension of us and we leave a bit behind. And I know it's a bit cliche, but we try our hardest to do the best we can. And sometimes you can't please people. You know, you get one customer every now and then and, and you feel like you, you can't please them no matter what you're doing. It does get you down a little bit, but we're quite fortunate in the fact that all, all to most of our customers now are people that are referrals. So they're happy to see us, you know, they're happy to work with us and we they trust us to do a really good job for them. So financially last year was was good. Like we, we, we hit the numbers with one hit, we, we're doing all right. But from a fulfilling point of view, don't think I've ever been happier at work. So right. that's the that's the main thing for us. You know, we're we're all about the not the work life balance because I think truly you can't when you're self employed or you're running your own business you can set up some rules that are hard rules. Yeah. But every now and then you do deviate. You know, like you say, right, we're not working weekends, and we we tend not to work weekends. We've got some good rules for stuff like that. If one of us works a Saturday, we get a day holiday back. So it's like you know stuff like that. We try and reward ourselves for going the extra mile. Um. Yeah, so I think on on the whole, I think it was it's been a really good year, and it's made me excited about coming into this year. Yeah, love that, love that. So Scott, what project, what products have you got in the showroom, or what brands do you like? Why do you like them? Who are you working with? Um, yeah, give us a bit of that. So we have our LVTs. Um, we've got J Two uh, Project Floors. And Brampton Chase, they're our free sort of front runners. We've got uh, Levanto as well. And then we've got other bits, but they're all sort of three to four stands that we sort of mainly predominantly use. Um, <clears throat> carpet wise, we sort of mainly Abingdon's and Cormar. We've got a bit of associated weavers that we use. Um, yeah, mainly they're our main three that we go to. Uh, we feel that the branding and the performance and the design sit well with our branding and where our sort of customer base is. Obviously, we, we can get access to other, you know, lesser quality and higher quality, like your Brockways and stuff like that for carpets. But predominantly where we are as a as a company and how we've marketed ourselves, that's our sort of branding because it sits well. So with that in mind, Scott, what's your opinion about, like when you're in front of a customer describing an LBT, yeah. will you sell it as a Vine Brothers floor? Like this is X or Y, maybe with a cord or whatever, or would you sell it as the Levant or J2 floor and say this is J2? Like how how do you pursue, pursue that message across to the client? Normally, to be honest, recently it's been um we've been we were very fortunate. We jumped on the bandwagon early with Bram, Brampton Chase and they've been very good to us over the years. We've sort of grown with them. <clears throat> so um they're a great company because obviously they offer exclusivity. So, you know, for example, if you were saying that if you were selling the job to a customer. Nine times out of ten, if it was a condine, I probably wouldn't suggest that it was a condine because they'll just go, Oh, you said it's condine, da 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 and they go online and they can get it whatever. You know, talking about devaluing the trade, unfortunately, in my opinion, that's where the sort of road they went down as soon as it's online. But with Brampton Chase and obviously Project Floors, you're protected. So um yeah, I normally just say that's what, what it is and 
yeah, we're very fortunate. We did have uh, exclusivity for a couple of years in the area uh, where you're protected. So I think we had a radius of about 20, 30 miles where no one actually had a showroom or could supply Brampton Chase. So that was very helpful uh, with our business to keep it exclusive. And, you know, you're not competing with the internet prices, which is obviously a big factor and big help. Do you think people, if you had to make a decision, if it had to be a Vine Brothers floor or had to be a branded floor, do you think retail customers are that bothered? No, certainly not. But especially, what well, maybe, depends on where you go. If you walk into your local, I don't know, your carpet rights, your tappies or whatever, you know, that they, they de-brand everything anyway and, and you're walking in buying their products. A lot of the stuff people buy, they buy it on a recommendation. And, yeah. and we, 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 you know, we really, um, how to put it, well, we really hold in high regard our ability to be honest. So I'm not going to go and sell Mrs. Jones a bit of J2 for 50 quid a square metre because it's not worth 50 quid a square metre. You generally have a little look around, you, you talk to him, you know, I'm not saying that you walk down the driveway and suss it out as you go in, but it, it does have factors, you know, you turn up to and and after you've had a brief conversation with him, it's more specific to the customer. So you'll say, look, based on what I've seen and what you want, this is what I would recommend for you. And And, and at that point, the name's only mentioned towards the end. So it's 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 really on, on on what we value. I had a conversation with a rep that came in here yesterday or the day before. And they always come in at the beginning of January trying to sell what they can and change their stuff around. And I said to him that the samples on the front, I said, you know, it was Scott mentioned it and said, look, the some of the samples on the front of these are not ideal. We we take them off because we don't like them so much. And I said to him, the sample, the, the bit that you're putting on the front, your your spiel on the front, isn't actually for the customer. It's for us because it's a selling tool because you've got the bits and bobs on it. If we don't like what you've put on the front, we probably won't sell it, even though it could be fantastic to the one that it's next to. And it is all about the branding. So where, back to the original point of, you know, does it matter? It, it really doesn't to us. It's more just about what's best. No, I think I think you hit the nail here. I've got, I've got no issues and no qualms with big, 40, 30, 20 grand stands with fancy TVs and all this type of stuff. And I understand the benefits of it. But if I had to make a choice, I think selling from complete integrity uh, and your professional experience, you know, we're meant to be the experts, the flawless. Mrs. Jones is not going to fit a dryback LBT. She doesn't know if it's like out of square or you know, got you know, it's and it's got to look world class when you finish it, no matter what what you're doing. And if it looks shit, the only person they're going to shout at is the person that's fitting it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and if that's not down to you, well, that's you know, if it's not down to bad installations, that's the. I get, I know that people do think the jump out like the brands, like such as the Candines, the Antiques again, got nothing against them, but they've done a brilliant job marketing the name. But what mm-hmm. the most read, uh, sorry clients are looking for is LVT. They're not looking for, they might be looking, oh, I want that Candine stuff. But That's what, what yeah, they always laugh about yeah, that because yeah. I always say it's just the brand leaders. A good example is you go and vacuum your carpet, but people go, oh, I'm going to go Hoover. Well, you don't. It's the brand that you associate it with, which is just getting people in that mindset. I suppose it's, it, well, I mean, I know some people would, you know, if you went looking for a Dyson, everyone knows what a Dyson is. But then if you went in a, you know, a world-class Hoover shop, and they had, you know, and you've got brilliant experience. And they showed you the difference between a Dyson, a Hoover, a Melee, et cetera. You probably buy from the person on recommendation. Yes, yeah. you might just still be like, oh, I've read the reviews on Dyson or whatever, and just go one off a box. But get us down to client experience if 
if they've given you world class, I mean, I can't believe going down the, the route of buying Ubers, but if, if you know, you can see the difference between the a 500 quid, a 600 quid, and a thousand quid one, you're yeah. not really going to be asked, like, as long as it hoovers your floor. And it's, I suppose, it's the same as um, buying a floor. If it looks brilliant and you think it's fair value and it's fitted well, what, and yeah, yeah. if that is a candy and I'm taking brilliant, if it's yeah. a genetic, it doesn't matter. Um, because I've seen even other retailers like, well, our razor. I've actually done it myself, and I've done it in in our, our new showroom we built here. You know, we've got, I think, nine manufacturers in seventeen square meters, but I've hand selected some products from manufacturers I even don't like, but the products are bloody brilliant mm-hmm. because my integrity says when they come in that my you know, um, to do training with people and things like that. I want to show what's available in the whole market, not just what one person is telling me, oh, you just sell our range. Well, no, spent 20 years selecting products. That's I know right. these guys do some world-class products that no one else do, so I need to have them on, on hand to show, to be a bit flexible. But, yeah, love that, love that. Um, with that in mind, uh, Scott, what flooring have you got uh, fitted to your house? So I have massive renovation at the moment, um, sort of, uh, six months into it. So I've actually got um, project floors. So I've got a chevron in my um, bathroom and I've got a bit of Cornell in the bedrooms and landing in the stairs. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. So, uh, What about uh, you, Spencer? Uh, mine has got everything. Fantastic <laughs> patchwork of absolute DIY police. Anything that comes out <clears throat> that someone, Brett comes in and goes, oh, you know, we've got this, this and this. So I go, brilliant, I'll have a go. I'll take it home and have a go. And my wife stopped let stopped letting me experiment everywhere, so I've refined it all off. But I've got um, I've got Brampton Chase, uh, I've got the big board, and I've got the herringbone in between. So I, I did it in like a a big like a thick and a thin board in the lounge just to see what that was like because um, I'd never done it anywhere, so I fancied that. I've got herringbone going in three different directions in my hallway, meeting up in the middle, just because I fancied doing a bit of a motif and messing around. I've got um, a flat weave on the stairs with. Um, the Brampton Chase with the LVT alley wraps on the sides, just because we had a customer that inquired about it once. And I wondered if we could do it. And uh, <clears throat> my wife has put, put a carpet upstairs when we had the loft conversion. I said to her, I can, I'll pick the, the speck of the carpet, you pick the colour. And uh, I only take clear liquids upstairs now because I call the carpet that she has a suicidal orchid because I think it's suicidal to go anywhere near it. It's, yeah. it's it, I mean, it's wearing nicely. But uh, yeah, it's not for me. So I've got a, an absolute plethora of all sorts in, in my house just because I, I just, you know, cliche as it is, I just love my job. Just love doing it. So, so you've got a secondary showroom at your house? Yeah. <laughs> Basically, Spencer's house is the guinea pig. If there's a new product, we're like, right, we'll see how, see how it wears, see how it performs. If it performs in his house, then we know it's, you know, it's good. Right, and that's a great selling technique. So, well, actually, yeah, Spencer's got this fitted. Well, I thought you had that fitted. Yeah, he's got that too. They just think it's a sales pitch, aren't they? Or I live in a stately home, yeah. But that is, we've, we're full of mantras as a company and like little sayings, but we have always got a rule that we say to customers, you know, if I wouldn't have it in my house, I wouldn't have it in your house. And it, it's the same with the installation. If there's a bit you're not quite happy with, you kind of, you know, oh, I don't know if I'd have that in my house. So then you get up, you change it and make sure it's, you know, it looks a bit better than it does. Uh, well, we're we're not hard on each other, but like um, we always set a high standard. So if if like that'll do is probably the word they'll get a cup of tea thrown at you if you work for us. Yeah. If you say, "Oh, we're well, again," 
Well, that'll do. No, 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 fucking way. Why aren't you walking on it from this joint? Yeah, say that. <laughs> you know, yeah. And if you look at it and you're not sure, well, that's your that's yeah, your tail yeah. straight away. You got to change it, especially with LVT. You look at him sometimes, think, oh, cut that in. That's all right. All right, it's not good enough. Like, yeah, no, it's not what we set. And and we kind of go into the like the, the way we do business. We can't do it like Scott said. We've got our own little like mantras and stuff. But we 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 purposely set up our own business to do business our way. So we don't feel. Uh, we don't feel ashamed or we don't feel like embarrassed or we, we don't feel bothered about not knowing stuff or asking for help or seeking out new products. I mean, a lot of this stuff, we get a lot of kickback from other fitters or other customers, especially customers is we don't take deposits on anything. We just say, right, fine. We just say look, you trust us to come into your house and do a good job. Well, we trust you to pay us. Like it's as simple as that. And, and it, and that we get a lot of stick from other people. They say, oh, you should take 50%, or oh, you should take 20%, you should do whatever. And we kind of, like the mantra is, you know, like we're doing business our way and, and, and that's how we want to do it. It will come back to bite us on the arse one day. <laughs> well, obviously, like the larger jobs, like, you know, like the, we've had a couple of big, like we did a church and stuff like that. And that was, you know, like three, four rolls of carpet that were all joined together. And, you know, it's two weeks work for us. So it was involved. Obviously, we took a deposit then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah like Ben said, it's, it's all built on trust and we feel that, because a lot of it's referrals and, you know, we already know the customer or they a friend of a friend or, you know, it's sort of you bounced around circles. They trust you're going to do a good job. So, you know, we trust that they're going to pay us. I, I would agree. I think when it bites on your ass, you may change, change your opinion now. Yeah. Um, you'll, you'll be telling us on Facebook, you'll go, yeah, I told you, bye, brothers. <laughs> and I've been doing flooring for probably 22 years now and I would say the majority of that would have been labor only. I'd say we've been properly fully supplying for sort of three to four, but I was always supplying stuff probably sort of 10 years in. And I've never had a customer, you know, not pay me. I've had people be a bit obtrusive, you know, try and, you know, all of a sudden, oh, I didn't get your email, I didn't get your invoice. I mean, digital accounting software is bloody fantastic these days because you can see when they've read it, you know what they've been up to. Um, so, so actually, I, I don't think as a... As a, as a you know as a mantra for us, I don't I don't think it's there's much problem with it. I think if we were just like e-commerce throwing ourselves out to the internet and taking anyone, you don't know these people, so yeah, maybe. But I think it works really well for reaffirming people's beliefs in us as well, especially when we're selling. When you when you turn up to someone's house and they go, oh blah blah blah, well, we're thinking of going ahead with you. Um, what's your de- what what deposit do you take? And you go, well no, we, we don't take deposits, and you just move past it. It it gives it a certain level of trust, which then makes people you know, want to spend with us and want to have us in the house. I think the challenge you've got, which again, when Ted comes in, clearly you two got bags of it. But for me, it's until it bites you in your ass and you're dealing with someone that like is, you know, world-class at not being, not being that, and then see and take advantage of that. And it's out of your control where at the end of the job, they'll find any excuse to pay you the, the full balance. I mean, for me, I, again, you know my opinion on it. You know, I'd be taking, yeah. I would be taking the materials up front. Um, cash, you know, cash flow is king. Um, people are dishonest, unfortunately, in this world. And I genuinely think either way, you've got enough integrity as a company to still say, look, this is how we do business. You know, there's companies that take 100% up front, which again, then you could question, well, that's one way. The other way that's, well, why would we pay you 100% up front? But I don't think it's unreasonable to ask for materials up front. But well, of course, and that's how other people do it, and we're happy with that. Like it's yeah. fine. And, 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 and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but then 
it's their loss, isn't it? That's how I see it. It's their loss because they won't get the opportunity to have us as floor layers ever again. They might have a quick fix and win, but they're they're ultimately losing because they won't get us again. I mean, no. all right, that's a property developer or someone's making loads of money, or but I just think you, you can't carry around the negativity with you. Like if someone wakes up in the morning and they're ass an arsehole, they are day in day out. Like if you get sucked into their behaviour, you it then ruins your day. Like you know, fuck them, let them get on with it, and we move on. Because yeah. for every every thousand people that are fantastic, you're always going to get one that that, like you say, does cheap or does get a bit grumpy, but. You don't want to take that baggage into the next person. You don't want to judge the, that last person with a bad experience onto the next person that you walk into. So, I just, I just think be, be good and spread the good rather than you know, whatever. Have you had jobs without a deposit against them? Have you had jobs postponed at the last minute when you've got the work booked in? Um, Scott, do you want to answer that? Yeah. So a lot of the time in the schedule, um, we've had it. Not necessarily. I mean, when we stumbled in the first year and a half, maybe we were sort of bouncing around like the odd builder and stuff like that who take on the, you know, the extensions and stuff like that, which is good because for us coming into it, we were like, oh, we need some bread and butter, you know, some like guaranteed income. Um, they're always turning around project six, eight, ten weeks or whatever. So it's a good sort of steady income. But we would find with those jobs, they wouldn't be very um, organised very well. So you'd sort of turn up and there'd be like a plumber second fixing or, do you know what I mean? You'd turn out to be a massive hole in the floor and no one would be there and, you know, things that are meant to happen, plastering, like someone's plastering and stuff like that. Um, a lot of it now, I mean, like I said, I touched on it earlier, we're a small company and a lot of, we're very, uh, we stay in communication a lot of our customers. So a lot of the time, every now and then, because we've got the unit and the warehouse downstairs, we normally order the materials in and they're normally there. So if some if someone does say, oh, um, you know, I'm not ready this week, I can get on the WhatsApp and pick a couple of messages around and actually swap the schedule around. Um, yeah. So having, having the storage has been obviously a game changer for that. Um, but very rarely, I think over the three, four years, it's probably happened two or three times. But never, we've never been short of, you know, like I say, we can pull someone else in or do something. But obviously being floor layers, you're always the last in, last out. So um, we're used to it really. I think that's just that just for me looking at the risk factor. You know, you have a hundred meter supply and fit booked in the diary. You order the materials, and yes, you can send it back. You'll get a restocking charge. But at any point, I suppose it's also the commitment from the client. You've made a hundred percent commitment as a company. We're coming to do this. We're doing something else. But you don't know what's going else in someone else's let's say personal life. They can just ring you and say, "I know you can win Monday, but um, we're just going to cancel the job." And you're like, "You know, that." Yeah, yeah, it could happen. It may never happen. No, 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 you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we we did have one, unfortunately, um, we were booked in to do a vinyl uh, fairly locally, but um, something happened in their personal life. And we just said, oh, look, um, unfortunately, we've ordered the materials. Um, they just want a restocking fee. Do you mind paying the restocking fee? Um, we put a tiny little bit on for our time. Nothing, nothing major. Didn't rip them off. Just a, a small percentage just to cover, obviously, the you know the service and um he said yeah that's fine sorry it's my fault and that was that so it's the flip side isn't it like you said there's a lot of chances out there but yeah. that was a, an example where it wasn't an issue but I, I do agree but if it was a big hundred square meter and we didn't know i mean i did smell a rat we do we probably would take a deposit yeah. if it was like you know a lot of stock if that makes sense like the the church job and stuff like that yeah oh 
Well, if you ever do get bumped, um, I will be the first one to say I think. <laughs> I bet you will. <laughs> and I'll have egg on my face as well. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how much I've charged them per square metre as well. <laughs> <laughs> put it on Facebook. <laughs> love it, love it. Right, um, so we're going to go into the quick fire round. Um, so Spencer, what's the best bit of advice you've ever received? And can you remember who it was from? Yeah, it was from a, an old floor layer called... Um, called Colin Crowley and he was uh, he was when we were younger he was someone that we looked up to he got us in to do a bit of casual work he had a bit of a setup like us but he did contract work but we just did his carpet stuff and he um he said to me one day he said to me if you treat your customers like sheep you'll be fine and I thought what is he going on about and he said you can shear a sheep his whole life but you can only skin it once he said so if you treat your customers like that you'll always have work and I think it's a great mantra to follow I love that that's brilliant I like that I like that um, and Scott, what is the worst bit of advice you've ever received? Who was it from? Probably from me. Oh, blimey. Uh, worst bit of advice. I was banking on the best bit of advice then. I was thinking, oh, I've had plenty of time to think about it. Like you said, I was like, oh, no, I'm golden here. Um, <laughs> worst bit of advice for Brad. That's hard. I can't think of anything for the minute. Can I answer a little bit and then you edit it? But I was even thinking there, for you, I was thinking, well, Possibly would be don't not take the take deposits. deposits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that would be, be that. Um, worst bit of advice. We come back to it. You have a you have a think about. Yeah, that. sorry, that's yeah. That's, worst bit of uh, I'm going to ask uh, Spencer if I give you a thousand quid now, and you've got to spend the what we on one four o'clock. You've got to spend it before you go to bed tonight. Thousand quid. What you're going to spend it on? Probably a pallet of screed. To be honest, yeah, you, make my life easier. I mean, personally, I don't really want for much. I'm a basic human, so yeah, yeah, I would have thought something like that. Yeah. What about you, Scott? Thousand is quid. That, is that for the business or is that for personal? For you, like I'm not gonna give me. you. I'm not. Well, if I did give you a thousand quid, um, I'd probably go straight into the house. If I'm honest, that I'm renovating. Yeah, I'd probably go towards that holiday. Love that. Love it. I do love a holiday. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spencer, if you could re- employ anyone in the world to help you uh, run the business, grow the business, um, who would it be? So many, isn't there? Uh, I mean, if I was to give you a sensible answer, it'd probably be someone someone aspirational like, um, I don't know, like Bill Gates or Elon Musk or something like that. But it'd probably be David Attenborough, if I'm honest. You could just plod along and could you just soothe us on a daily basis and tell us about all sorts of things. And, you know, you'd have that. And here we have Spencer and Scott being I'd love that. You could just narrate our day. I was going to say, it would be like, yes, Steve Spencer, laying the block. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant, that. Um, I'm going to tweak this question. I'm going to throw you under the bus, Scott. Um, what is the least favourite thing about Spencer to you, boys? What is the least favourite thing about Spencer? Uh, we got a running joke at you with the firm, but it's normally tall hire. His vans, his tools normally stay in the back of the van. So me and George would bring them up, put them outside the job, you know, nice and neat, whatever. Oh, I'll just go get a hammer. Oh, where's my hammer? Oh, Spencer's got it. It's covered in screed and glue. And I said, well, why don't you get your own hammer? So we've started tall hire now. So we call it, yeah, we call it tall hire. Tall hire. So I'll, I'll say to Scott, oh, can, I, can I borrow your hammer? And he'll go, yep, tall hire. And he just highlights the point that it's not my hammer, it's his yeah. hammer. Um, so it's, he, always, he always gives it to yeah. me. So I'll just keep doing it, I imagine. Yeah, so that's probably the first one that comes to mind. Love that. Uh, and take deposits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's rubbing off. It's rubbing yeah, off. Yeah, it's a long runner. <laughs> um, 
Spencer, if you could start the business all over again, um, you know, start from scratch, what thing would you do differently that you're currently doing now? That makes sense. Or oh, well, what would you do differently? It's really hard that. Because when you're really proud of what you do, it's quite hard to to take on the chin. I suppose I would probably have um, invested more in ourselves as people rather than our products. So I think I would have probably put us through a bit more, a bit more training if I could. You know, maybe going off and learning our craft a little bit and, and not being so stubborn. I can think of a few times where um, I've done things and I've been working till like 11, 12 o'clock at night because I won't let it go. Um, you know, LBT borders, stuff like that, because no one's really taught us. And then you do do a course or you go to an event or you see someone or you speak to someone and you think, light bulb, you're like, oh, fucking hell, I think of the, the 400 hours I've wasted and I could have just done that. So I think actually... Because you don't get time back, no. so so actually the, making your life a bit easier and a bit more efficient and investing in yourself a little bit more, um, I think that's what it'd be. A few a few more courses and stuff before we started. Love that. Uh, well, with that in mind, um, I'm going to do a self pitch, obviously. So, Scott, what was the biggest take home you got from coming on one of our courses, like my courses? Um, take deposits. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, uh, being serious. Like there was a lot it was a lot of information and it was quite obviously being in a room with a lot of other, you know, people that were serious about being there. Uh a lot of questions were raised and it was, you know, there was a lot of stuff going around. But for us, um the we do a monthly meeting or try to, whether it's in the van for an hour or something like that. We make a point of the last Friday of every month catching up, you know, seeing what needs to be done, how our stock is, like little things like that. Um there was a lot of others, but that is the first one that came to mind um, and was actually really beneficial. I, I think it's really interesting as well because some people find it really difficult to deal with people. They they work with, obviously, you two work together, but you're also family. You're also yeah. blood. <clears throat> so it's even more weird that you are having like a management meeting as brothers. But it, it yeah. hurts. You know, and it's well, like, it doesn't matter if it's two or three of you yeah. or 45 of you. Communication is key. Well, I mean, a lot of it is you, you're putting out fires on a daily basis because, you know, as much as you want to make things go smoothly, things are very organic and they're always moving and you, know, you need to sort this, you need to sort that. And, and a lot of the time you're battling through the day and then you're sorting out tomorrow and you're going home and then you're battling through tomorrow and then you're sorting out tomorrow. For us, it's nice to sit down and go, well, this is the overview for the month. Like, what what do we want to get out of it? What, what, we, what did we learn from last month? You know, maybe have a little look at a couple of jobs and just pick through some numbers and see where we're earning them all money and where we're not. And it, it, we find it really helpful because we've got the unit now. We can meet a little bit earlier. We can have a cup of tea. We can sit in the youth wing and we can have a little chat about it. And it works out really well. The youth wing. I love it. <laughs> uh, Scott, can you think of that per, um, the bit of advice, the the bad, or can you think of a good bit of advice? If, if you're not only good, good, good bit of advice, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not just saying that because he's next to me, but when I was learning with Spence, he said, you don't get a second chance for a first impression. And that stuck with me ever since because it all starts from the minute you pull up in your van, the minute you walk down the driveway, the minute you knock the door. Like people are already putting you in a category that, you know, they're, you know, oh, he's pulled up on the drive and he's whacked the handbrake on, the music's blaring, you know, you swing open the, the gate and you're all scruffy and your shoelaces are untied and stuff like that. Yeah. On the door. It's a comical knock, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, so Spencer just said, you know, obviously brand yourself well and, you know, like turn up smart, obviously with your, your logo or your, your branding and, 
you know, people instantly see that you're a professional. Which is the most hypocritical piece that I've ever given. <laughs> because I look like I've slept in a hedge. I look like I've rolled in a bucket of screed and I've turned up straight from the job centre half oh, this time. <laughs> That's why I get to the jobs first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was in jail. Once and this podcast was out, it was a great one I, I heard yesterday. It was there's no such thing as a bad job, just a bad price. Although that, uh, they, they, they seem to be getting even better. Yours is great. They, yeah, the the bits of uh, I thought that really stuck for me. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, you, you would do any job as long as the price is right in one way. Mm. You know, so this, uh, yeah. Well, it, it's an emotional compensation as well, isn't it, Price? So if in the back of your mind, if you know there's a little bit, not extra, but if you know that you're getting paid fairly or you're getting compensated or or whatever, it, you, you're already turning up with a little bit of a boost or a, a spring in your step. You know, we've got a, we've got a rule now that um, there's a certain part in Worthing that we have to go through. The train gates are always down, always down. It's a quite an affluent area. We go to the other side, we do quite a lot of work there, but we're always stuck at the train gates. You turn up, you know they're going to be down. So now we say to ourselves, when we're working over there, we'll get a meal deal for the wait. So it's just like little incentives that boost the day. So we... Yeah. We had a marketing meeting yesterday, uh, planning out our content and how how we present ourselves. And we're kind of doing like real life spoofs of the floor layer. And then we were going to do a spoof of someone on price work. So they were like fucking running around like a lunatic, throwing yeah. meters down. And then to put we... the um, Benny Hill music behind that. Exactly. That yeah. 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 That's it. So we'll put the Benny Hill music against that one. And then we were going to do the person on the day rate. And they were like, like the sloth. You know, they were like slowly yeah. removing the pack out of the van and slowly pushing the, the sweep in yeah. And I, I could personally really identify with that because that's how I started. I started working for, and I, I've got no no problems with saying it. Like I started working for Carper Ride from a young young age and, and, and I had my business mantra was, you know, it, it wasn't that it, I still did a great job, but I had two blokes that worked for me. I, I worked and it was stack them high, you know, get as much done as we could do in a day. I'd profit from the other two and I'd be falling asleep on the way home in the van, you know, I'd be absolutely knackered and it yeah. would be, it'd be a race from start to finish and you'd never cut a corner, but you'd be racing, you'd be drinking coffee, you'd be having copious amounts of chocolate, you'd be completely turbocharged all day. And when you're younger, I suppose it, it it's fine and I'm not saying I'm old, but in comparison to what we do now, I do look back and think, bloody hell, how did I how did I do that? And why did I do that? Because ultimately, I, I don't think you earn a great deal more. I really don't. No, no I think it's, there's a big thing on that. I've discussed with so many clients about if you're getting a day rate, like let's say a good day rate, and you've allowed the right amount of time on a job, you can spend that time putting the extra screw in the door bar, doing, you know, yeah. checking it. Wonder why, but make sure every bit of glue is off. Yeah, you know, everything like that. But then, um, psychologically, if you're on a price of 300 quid, no matter what it is, it, if you spend 40 minutes like micro cleaning the floor, you still get 300 quid. So you kind of think, well, I'll do it so everyone's happy, and then you still get paid the 300 quid. So it's they're very, very fine. And again, it's 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 about work life balance, you know, if you just if your morals and your integrities are world-class experience, the price doesn't really matter in my mind. It just doesn't, you know, it's if that's what they're expecting, that's what you deliver. It's like, and then, you know, we, we've, we still have um, employees that, you know, will only work at one speed 
um, and you could pay them another thousand pound more a week, and they'd still work at the same speed. But that's just what they are. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's three really, really good points there. So um, Scott, three people you'd like to have a pint with, dead or alive. Cool, boy. Well, what can you? And you're not allowed to have Spencer there. He's not allowed. To... <laughs> If he'd there regardless. It'd be, it might be a pint of uh, coffee. But yeah. Um, people. Obviously, Spencer, David Attenborough, I would have probably... You'll always get Alan, Yeah, I would have measured thought out. Yeah, I would have thought maybe someone like Alan Shearer. I imagine he's good for a beer. Um, <laughs> oh, are we sticking with David Attenborough as well? So we've got... Are we, are we, are we, yeah, Attenborough and uh, Alan Shearer. Did you say three people? Three people, yeah. I'll stick with the two for now because I'll hold you up any other way. If another one comes back to me, I'll shout it out. Um, I'm going to ask the same question to Spencer. Who, which, who's oh. your three? And you can't have Scott or David Ambrose. He's already oh. busy. He's stuck. You know, Scott's dick to me. So he's already busy that night. No, I know. Um, let me think. Uh, Lord Harris, he, he would be one. The, the man that made Carpenter, right? The first question would be, what were you thinking? What are you trying to think? He'd be buying the drinks, though, wouldn't he? That's yeah. what he was thinking. <laughs> Let me think. Oh, these are great. These are great questions, aren't they? Ramsden. Yeah, probably. What's his name? Um, Steve Ramsden. Steve Ramsden, actually. Um, he did some copyright assessments years ago, and he's a, he's a long-standing. Uh, I won't bore you with the length of the story because it's quite long. But um, when we were working at copyright, they all of a sudden decided that they were a legitimate company and they wanted to do assessments. So we all got assessed, and we were all set to fail. Um, so we went to these little pods in the back of their warehouse and. Um, you know, this this man walked around the clipboard and he literally tore you a new one. That was what he did. He basically, he did, he drew you down to nothing so that you were nothing. And then you did their assessment and then you felt like you were something. Well, this man was Steve and and he was, he was doing his job and he's really good at his job. He's, I think he's just left the NICF, but um, he was always a, a joke. And he, he said, uh, it was either us or our uncle. He said, um, I can come at any time to your jobs. That's what he said. He said, I can come to any, any time to one of your jobs. Remember that. I can come at any time. So it was a bit of a long standing joke. But when we became the Vine Brothers Flooring Company and we started to, you know, realise we do, you know, get a bit of like, I don't know, a bit of weight behind ourselves. We kind of, well, yeah, actually we can do this. Yeah, we do know what we're doing. You know, he he was one of the um, the assessors when we went to Harrogate. He was assessing some of the Carpet Fear of the Year stuff. And I was deadly excited to see him because I come and put my arm around him and I said, you said to me, blah, 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 you know, all these years ago, you've, I, I, you know, I can come at any time. And I said to him, here's my card. This is where I work. Feel free to come at any time. You know, thank you for that. Although it was awful, you, you know, you made us the people we are. And and I'd love to, because he's been in the flooring industry like like um, Lord Harris and yeah. for a very long time. And I, I'd love to pick his brains on all sorts of subjects that you can't talk on, about on podcasts, see what they've been up to. And a, and a third person, um, I'd probably pick Kesha, actually. Mm-hmm. Because I have the musical taste of a teenage girl, um, and I'm not afraid to admit, I can't if, it, vouch for that, yeah. if it's if it's uplifting and it's silly, I'm into it. Um, and I've I've listened to far too much Kesha in my life that you know that will probably warrant a restraining order if I ever met her. So probably the only way I'm ever going to meet her. Brilliant, uh, Scott. Can you think of anyone else? Yeah, it'd probably be someone like uh, Pete Tong or someone like that who's been influenced in the DJ scene for a long time. He would have seen a lot come and go and he'd have some good stories, I reckon. He'd probably party with the celebrities and stuff like that. Quite a difference in musical tastes, I'm assuming, <laughs> in the back. 
Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we listen to a range, and and we're we're quite happy to just do whatever. We have got a sister in between us, age wise. Um, she's not a floor layer, so we had to banish her to Australia. Um, but she she's a music teacher, so in our house we've always had all sorts of music mm-hmm. through the years. Brilliant. And we're going to go to the prompted difficult question. Um, this can be business or completely personal, but you've both got to answer it. I'm going to go with Spencer first, so Scott's got time to think about it. Thank you. Spencer, um, what is currently holding you back? It's always yourself. You're the only one that ever holds you back. Um, always, without a shadow of a doubt. And with us, um, self-belief has always been a problem, you know, because it's really hard to put value to yourself, even when you've got a company, you're working out how much you think you deserve to earn. Not who knows, like, <laughs> I think the only person that ever holds me back is always me. Love that. What about you, Scott? Yeah, same as Spence, really. I've got a lot going on in my personal life. So when that's clear, then it's like, I've, I struggle to juggle a lot of things. I like to, if I'm doing one thing, I like to focus on it. So obviously it was the rehab of my knee plus the renovation of the house, doing the business as well. And I'm getting married. So there's a lot going on. So as soon as, I won't say this in case my partner's listening, but as soon as the wedding's over and done, <laughs> she's going to kill me for that. But as soon as that's sort of done and the house is there or thereabouts, so I feel a lot more, um, you know, re- sort of in my personal life, I have a bit more focus, probably right. in the word. Yeah. But that's where it's lovely working with your family because we truly do like each other. So when he's having a bad day, I'll always pick him up and vice versa. I know if I've ever got a problem, regardless of if we had a business together, he would be the first person I call. And we've had a lot of a lot of stresses for the you know couple of years when uh, I don't talk about it too much. But when the when the pandemic first hit, you know I was really stressed because I was contracting. I gambled on us working, so I went and put a deposit down on a unit, and um, I got alopecia and all my hair fell out. Wow! And it was just you don't realize what stress does to you. But I, I I had a lot of stress, and I wouldn't have been able to get through it without Scott. And it wasn't a case of like, oh, you're right, mate. It was more like taking the piss out of me most of the time and us having a laugh with each other and just knowing that he had my back. And it was probably the same when Scott did his his leg. It was like, don't worry, mate, I got you. Take as much time as you need. It's not a problem. You know, carry on getting paid. We carry on doing what we're doing. Just take time and get it right. And I think that that's integral to our success, all of that. No, well, I think that's why I sort of took this a little bit of, you know, do you shout at each other? You literally ended up on the grass outside the customer's house rolling about, you know, or, or, or do you get on? And I suppose it's the same with our Sarah, as you well know. You know, we yeah. we, we get up on the same, like, uh, sorry, in the same bed and we eat at the same breakfast table, we eat the same lunch, you know, and then we go home to the same same house. And, you know, and then we've got to have a relationship as as husband and wife. So it's, you know, and that works really well for us. We actually work worse working apart. Um, so, you know, it must be similar you know, obviously Sarah's not plugged to me, but she's my wife. So, but yeah, we spent probably 23 and a half hours a day in close proximity. So we, played, yeah, we, spent yeah, the ten years, we spent 10 years playing football together as well for the same football team. So we see uh, two football teams. So we see each other on a Saturday and a Sunday as well. So uh, yeah, we're pretty much husband and wife. I'm definitely the wife. So so your wives have both got to, or wives to be have got to be, uh, have got to share. Uh, so yeah, pretty yeah, much. They do get jealous. Yeah, share the time, guys. Brilliant podcast. Thank you so much. Um, where can people find you lurking on socials if they want to check your workout or see who, who you are and what you are? Where is the best place? Where do you post your jobs? 
It's always best to go to yeah. Scott with this. On uh, mainly on Instagram, to be honest with you. We've and got you, a few but... bits on Facebook, but not much. What's the handle on Insta? Do you know? It's just at Vine Brothers Flooring Co. Love it. So fantastic. Well, great, that, lads. Thank, thank you so much for spending the time to perform on the podcast. Well, no, thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, this has been on the bucket list. To be fair, I think you know. I know it's a bit fangirly, but you guys are, are leading the way in a lot of stuff that you're doing, and um, you know, you kind of feel like you look at all the other people that have been on this exactly, podcast. Yeah. You, you know, you feel honoured to be part of that list. So yeah. you know, it's, it's, you feel like you're getting somewhere if you're getting a call from Tom. Yeah, feel um, very, very appreciate that. Thank you. And um, and 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 publicly, thank you so much for the. Um, the Floor and Freedom course, like we we took a lot away from it. A lot of it was confirming what we thought, but it was lovely to be in a room full of people that didn't judge you, wanted to help you. You're all on the same page. They were all excited about flooring, and they all wanted to go in the right direction. It was it was really really life affirming. So thank you very much. No, I think well that's what we do. We try and not really give back to you guys, but it's people that believe in us. We want them to come on the podcast and share their stories. They're both the your stories can help other people because the whole purpose of Cochrane and Co is to help people uh, mentally, emotionally and be more profitable. So, yeah. you know, it might not, it can't be just the Tom Cockrell show because that's not really that exciting. But some of your experiences, someone else would be like, um, oh, well, that'll impact my business. Hopefully it's not not taking deposits because that won't do them any good, but that's... Uh... Well, you know, race you to the million, mate. We'll see you against that first. <laughs> This podcast is run and produced by Cocktail & Co. To find out what we do, visit the website cocktailandco.co.uk or you'll find us on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook.